Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 29 of the podcast, we've got Newcastle Jet star Nikolai Topol Stanley. So Nikolai's back in town after spending last year in the UAE, but he's a fine player. Having I'm a big fan of the Western Sydney Wanderers, and he was our captain for a number of years. He actually led us to three grand final appearances and also was captain of the Asian Champions League team. So... He's achieved a lot. He's played for the Socceroos, and you know he's a great centre-back, and I think the Jets have picked up someone that's going to be very, very, very valuable today. So we're going to get great insights from him and into his career and what, what's ahead this year. But before we get Topo on, just a big thank you to everyone tuning in and uh, leaving me five-star reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate your support. If you want to connect with me, easiest way, Facebook is Talking With TK, or quickly send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com. But let's get right into it. Here is Nikolai Topostanley. All right, guys, my special guest is Nikolai Topostanley. Nikolai is an Australian professional footballer who plays his club football with the Newcastle Jets. He was a fan favourite at the Western Sydney Wanderers leading the team to three grand finals and an Asian Champions League victory, while I was also capped four times for the Socceroos. I welcome Nikolai Topo Stanley. Topo, welcome to, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you back on home soil and you know, you've returned back to Newcastle where you've spent a number of your years back a few years ago. So tell us why you came back. Well, first of all, it was a good opportunity presented to me. So there was a two-year deal on the table. Um, my wife is from Newcastle. We're expecting our first child. So, you know, it came at a time where, you know, both of us, I guess, will be in need of family support. And, um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good deal to come back to a, to a squad that I think has improved over the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, it's it's, uh, it's an opportunity for me to come back to the A League and um, you know compete at home again. After achieving so much in your career, you know, in your introduction, it's pretty impressive. Three grand finals, you've won an Asian Champions League. You know, at 32 years old now, you're pretty much at the prime of your career. What's the major goal for yourself right now? Oh, number one is winning. You know, I've. I guess I haven't made it this far if I wasn't a winner, if I didn't have that in my DNA. Um, you know, I, I want to win everything I compete in. And, yeah, that was, that was a factor for me that, you know, the, the Jets had signed experienced players. They'd signed players that had been in grand finals or had won things. And, um, you know, the, the coach has also won the A-leg before. So um, there's no reason why we can't. I mean, p- people might scoff at that suggestion but that's okay with me um there's no higher well, i guess there's no there's no higher motivation for us as a group than to win than the a-league and um yeah outside outside perceptions on whether that's viable or not isn't really uh, our problem you know we, we keep um i guess we keep motivating each other internally that you know we're going to be doubted and um and rightly so. You know, Newcastle hasn't been in the final series for a while now. I think since uh, my second year 
with the Jets, which is a while back. But um, you know, stranger things can happen, and um, you know, as long as we stay true to each other and work our work our tails off, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, you've got a great coach now in Ernie Merrick. What's been the biggest thing, especially in comparison to someone like Popo, who you've had for so long as well? Oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a hard comparison. I don't really like to make comparisons between coaches. Um, you know, yeah. clearly uh, Popo is a great coach. You know, I've gone on to say that he's, you know, he was uh, a huge influence on my on my development and um, on my career. Um, but that time with him is over now. And, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons, not only as a footballer, but as a person going under him. Um, but now my time's under Ernie, who's, who has won a couple of titles. Um, he's, you know, coached at arguably one of the biggest, or if, if not one of the biggest teams in Australian football. So he's got that pedigree. Now, it's only been, you know, a month or so under him, so we're still, you know, ironing out the kinks. But that's the beauty of the A League preseason. There's plenty of time to do that. Um, you know, plenty of time to uh, to really gel and, and uh, move in the right direction. Yeah, it seems you're putting together quite an impressive team, though, because you get yourself and Nigel Bogart at the back, up front and on the wings. You've got guys like Petrados and. Nabut, so you know you get a star striker in there, and you know you guys could get rolling really quickly. Yeah, I think um, we've got two more uh, spots to fill, and uh, they'll be both foreign spots, I imagine. Although uh, you have to ask the coach precisely on that. Um, yeah. But you know we do have Roy O'Donovan, who is capable. He's shown that that he's capable of goals uh, up front. Um, Wayne Brown is also another another player that can bring. Uh, an element of, I guess, dynamic ability in that midfield. Um, you know, whether we can put that together consistently is is a huge question, and um, you know that's what we're working towards. Yeah, Nicolo, what is your official nickname? Oh, I've got a few. Um, I've got a few. Oh, oh, the main one is Topper. Yeah, a lot of people call me that um, I've got one that you'll probably laugh at that has been stuck with me since I was 17 by a friend of mine who well uh, an ex-teammate of mine um, at the AIS which is Gandhi after Mahatma Gandhi um, <laughs> they called my dad the we, exact same thing and I was telling yeah, him before, we were, obviously he's Mauritian and you're Mauritian so yeah so I, I won't go into the details of how I got that <laughs> exactly, but needless to say, uh, it, it has stuck in a fair few people know me as Gundy. <laughs> I don't think Gundy was six foot three, though. No, but he was a he was a wise and influential man, so I'll take that. <laughs> it's not a bad rap. Topo, take me back to the start because you know you grew up in Canberra. Like I said, you've got some awesome heritage. You know, your, your father's Mauritian. You've got a Polish German mother. You know, that's, there's pretty much you know a lot of soccer blood just in those three nations. Is did you follow maybe your dad or your mum's footsteps, and that, is that how you took up the sport? My father is definitely a football nut. You know, he's um, he was a Manchester United tragic, and he brought me up as one too. And 
you know, my brother and I and him were, you know, always down the park kicking a ball or, and he wouldn't let me play anything else. Um, even though I begged him to, you know, I wanted to play cricket, I wanted to play Aussie rules, I wanted to play rugby league, I wanted to play golf, I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play everything, but um, you know, he, he steered me towards football, which obviously I don't regret, and I love the game. Um, but not taking away from my mother either. She's, uh, she's been a ma- massive support and, I guess, a rock for me to, to, to lean on, and um, she's been a huge support in my career. Um, but, yeah, yeah well, you, the well, initial you... drive was my father. Yeah, Topo, were you always a defender? No. My father had delusions of grandeur and he wanted me to be a striker, but after not scoring too many goals as a junior, I slowly made my way back. And what was the major... Because I know that you you know, you know, obviously played for in Canberra professionally as well. Then you moved down into Sydney to Manly United in 2005. How did that shape up? Yeah, well, it was an interesting time. I, um, it was... I just finished a year and a half at the AIS uh, football you know, program there, which was really my first taste of full-time football training. And you know, we had the best of the best coaching, the best of the best uh, facilities. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, there was no more national league. There's no more, you know, league at least domestically to aspire to, um, which was pretty hard. You know, a lot of um, a lot of my, I guess my age group, my generation, you know, was a bit uh, was a bit the the development was stuttered a bit as as mine. I had to, um, you know, I wanted to play overseas, but I knew I needed some sort of professional and full time environment in Australia first for a stepping stone. Um, I try I try trialed overseas a few times, but it wasn't my time, you know, I wasn't mentally ready. I didn't really understand how it worked. And, yeah, I was pretty homesick in, you know, two weeks away in Europe. But fortunately, you know, I also had the Australian Twenties team. We had, we had camps pretty regularly. And, um, you know, I was caught into that, even though I was, um, you know, playing state league football, if you like. Um, yeah, and uh, so it was a bit of a, it was a, it was a challenge. It was mentally hard to really, uh, you know, with nothing to really aspire to. And then the first year of the A-League was almost two years away from that. And then, you know, you you were obviously with the Sydney, Sydney FC first. And then what was the biggest breaking point that you knew that you were going to do this for a living? Well, um... Well, it's actually a interesting story how I got to Sydney in the first place. You know, I was playing at Manly, and you know, I was studying part time at university too. Uh, I'd finished the uh, under twenty World Cup in Holland. I didn't get a minute of game time. You know, I was pretty down and dejected. Um, you know, playing basically part time football. And I thought uh, I'm going to give it one last crack and go to Sydney, go out of my comfort zone, go away from home on, you know, mm. living week to week, uh, you know, on, I think it was 150 bucks a week or 200 bucks a week at the time, you know, traveling around Sydney wow. and could hardly pay for tolls. 
And yeah. um, the Ian Cook, the assistant coach of Sydney FC, rang me up and asked me if I wanted to tra- train with Sydney. And I wanted to, but I couldn't afford to pay for petrol. Um, so I had to borrow money from family and to get there. And yeah, it, was very, it was very hard going. Um, you know, I was, I was eating baked beans and, and spaghetti pretty much <laughs> to, get, to get by. And um, yeah, luckily enough for me, but unfortunate for one of my teammates growing up in the Aussie team, Jacob Timpano, who was, you know, the mainstay centre-back of my generation. You know, he had chronic injuries, but yeah. that gave me an opportunity to fill that place and, you know, finally get some game time and finally get, earn a contract in, uh, in a professional environment. So, you know, I guess it was sad to see him as a friend and as a teammate, uh, I guess, break down at such an early age. But that was my opportunity in, and I had to take it. So I was signed on an injury replacement for him. And yeah, then yeah. the coach at the time, you know, liked my enthusiasm, liked my raw energy I guess I brought, and, you know, he, he re-signed me from there. Is this kind of like a message you try to get to a lot of the young blokes out there that not giving up and the sacrifices that you do need to get to that professional level? Yeah, I try to, but it's very hard to really put it into perspective unless you lived it. You know, it's yeah. um, unless you've really known struggle, it's it's kind of hard to put it into words and really be meaningful. You know, I didn't I didn't know struggle until I had to do that, and I I, I didn't think I realised what I went through until I actually got through it. Um, and at the at the time, I was I guess it wasn't what I was thinking, but on reflection, you know. I, I can I can be proud of myself that I stuck I stuck with it and you know I I battled through the many tins of spaghetti and tasteless meals to to get the training and um you know, and to really persevere. And then you obviously then find a, a great you know you, you start your career at Sydney FC then you find a great home in Newcastle and Perth as well so you spent a couple of years in both when you did actually return to Sydney though and you know you. You became one of the leaders of the Western Sydney Wanderers. Did it feel great? You know, you, you spent 2012 to 2016. Was it great to get some stability and just be somewhere for a long period of time? Yeah, in a nutshell, yes. Um, but you know, anyone that's a footballer will tell you that stability is only an illusion. You know, it's uh, you can sign a five-year contract but be gone after six months. Um, but in the end, I did find four years of consistent play, consistent, uh, yeah, consistency in in life, I guess, if you want to call that. Um, but yeah, as I alluded to before, that, that that's uh, that was a great period in my life. But um, you know, and I've learnt a hell of a lot from that, um, and I'm grateful for my time there. But now I'm a Newcastle Jet, and I'm looking forward to what I've got in front of me. Yeah. Just taking you back a couple of extra years, you know, you went to the Olympics in 2008 as well. What was the experience like going to Beijing? That was an amazing um, one that I think at the time didn't really dawn upon me the, you know, the, the magnitude of what we were doing at the time. You know, I thought, oh, this is, this is great. Obviously, it's, to become an Olympian is very proud, but yeah. 
until maybe the last few years where I could really say, you know, my generation was the last generation to, to make the Olympics and we qualified through Asia first. You know, that, that's, that's not an easy feat. You're looking at um, how we're doing now in national qualification. It's, it's not easy. You know, people think that, you know, we should breeze through qualification. But let me tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's a whole different kettle of fish. It's a, it's a different kettle of, uh, it's a different style of football. The refereeing is completely different. Um, conditions are different. It's, uh, it's extremely difficult. But, you know, we were the first ones in there and we were the first ones to qualify. So I can look back on pride and say, you know, I was part of that. Um, the actual Olympics itself, um, you know, We've drawn a bit of a group of death. You know, we had Argentina, who had all the bells and whistles of every 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 big name of the Argentina time at the time. Um, so they were, you know, world, literally world class. Um, unfortunately, I, could, I didn't play that game. I played the first game, but our coach at the time, Graham Arnold, thought I had a poor game, which is, I guess, his responsibility and changed things. And I only played. Well, I came on in the last game, but as a striker, as a number nine, last ditch effort. Yeah, I played against Serbia in the first round where we drew one all, um, which was yeah probably yeah, it was the only point that we got. But play-wise, it was yeah, a little bit average. I think we were, were a bit nervous um, and we didn't really play a type of football that suited us um, due to those nerves or, the, or what have you. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Nikolai Topol-Stanley. If you're a soccer fan, I'm sure that you'll enjoy some of our episodes in our back catalogue, including the likes of former Socceroos captain Paul Wade and Matilda's striker Kaya Simon. There's a whole heap of different episodes for everyone, the likes of Mark Hunt, Shane Hill, Damien Fleming, Andrew Weddinghausen, Kieran Perkins. They've all made appearances on the show. So go out and check some of the old episodes and let me know what you think. Best way to connect with me is Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Send me a quick email or you can connect with me on Facebook. I'm TalkingWithTK or Twitter, TNL Fitness. But let's get back to our chat with Nikolai. Topo, you mentioned playing in really, you know, unique conditions and things like that. You know, you just spent the last season in Dubai playing for the Harder Club. What was the biggest challenge playing in such a hot area like Dubai? Well, funnily enough, the climate wasn't an issue. Um, for the majority of the season, it's actually not too hot and you train quite late and you play quite late. So that wasn't an issue. The biggest issue for me was, I guess, the cultural differences of approaching football in terms of training, in terms of how to prepare yourself, in terms of a lot of a lot of things. You know, it was it couldn't be more different to what I was used to. Um, and for me, you know, I guess I was brought up and taught to value that preparation, you know, that that was your ticket yeah. to to winning. If you prepared well, you were, that was more than half the battle, you know. Um, but what I witnessed there, which I, I guess I can't say for every team, maybe other teams are different, but um, mm. it seemed to me that the culture there was far different and it took me a while to adjust to that. 
And as a foreigner, you're expected to be the difference maker. You're expected to win games, sometimes single-handedly. And when you don't, the fingers are pointing at you, which I can understand. I mean, we're brought in as one of four players to yeah, to, to make the difference. So I guess it's no different to the A-League, where the foreigners are expected to perform at the highest level, week in, week out. But, yep. you know, I played every single game bar one um, while I was there due to suspension. So, you know, I, I feel like I, I proved myself to my teammates and, 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 my, and my coaching staff, and I was vindicated that, you know, I played in so many games. Yeah. How many international players? Did you say four? And then the rest would be made up of just local players, is that correct? Of local Emirates, yeah, that's right. Awesome. All right, just to wrap up things, I've got a couple of just personality questions just to wrap things up here, Topo. So aside from your current home ground at uh, Newcastle and probably also Parramatta Stadium as well, where has been your favourite venue to play football? I mean, I've always enjoyed Amy Park and the atmosphere it's created, but I haven't got too many good results there. I think I've only won once there in my career, so it's uh, it's been a hard place to go to get the results, but you know, football stadium-wise, it's you know it's specifically built for football. Um, you know, I wish all all state all A League teams had their own um, like that. You know, it's a, it's a cozy, tight knit atmosphere where you can you know you can really feel the energy, um, and that suits me and you know most people that I know that are involved with football to to a T. Topo, next one. Are you superstitious at all? I like to think I'm not, but I do have a few weird ones. <laughs> Is there anything you can share? Yeah. Um, or one. <laughs> so when I go out to warm up, I'm careful not to touch any of the white painted lines with my boots. So no, I just can't. I can't touch it until kickoff. So if you're ever looking at me, I'll be altering my steps to not touch the white lines. I don't know why. It's just a weird one. <laughs> Whatever works, mate. All right, next one. I'm going to take you back to your childhood. What posters did you have on your childhood bedroom wall growing up? Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Yeah. I had Dwight York because I, I was a Manchester United fan. Um, Eric Cantona, Maldini. Um, yeah, I think that, that was all my football ones. I think I had a few... I think I had a few um, old school hip hop posters too, because my brother was into basketball and hip hop. So you know, I, I stole some from him. Public Enemy, I even had one up there. <laughs> Did you get to meet Dwight York? Because he was maybe a couple years before you got to Sydney FC, wasn't he? No, he was there for. So I was training with them in the, in the first year of the A League, but in the second year, he came back for a pre season. And I spent a month or two with him, training with him, yeah. <laughs> what was that like, training with your idol? I was pretty daunting. Um, my first experience with him, I, I walked into the change room and he made fun of my jeans. So I was mortally embarrassed <laughs> that my uh, my stonewashed jeans that were flares, I think, he just, <laughs> yeah, they were, they were shocking jeans to be fair, but I thought I was killing it and... Um, yeah, he he, uh, he pointed them out as soon as I walked in the change room, which was uh, 
not the best start, but I knew a few of the boys already in there, so it's okay. They, they made me feel welcome. Yeah. Hey, at least he noticed you, eh? Exactly right. <laughs> All right, final question. Nikolai, you're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Only rules, no family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Oh, I'll have to go my namesake, Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> um, I'll go Nelson Mandela. Who else could I put in there? i have to put a football in there. Probably my favourite football of all time would be Zidane. Mm. Um, what else can I do? Who's someone from way back at... Maybe Abraham Lincoln. And... Who else can I put in there? Sir Edmund Hillary. He's a... He's a... Uh, pioneer of adventuring so why not he would have a few interesting stories yeah nice is that something kind of do you have a big bucket list in terms of things that you want to do overseas and things like that oh yeah I would love to just being a footballer and uh, soon to be father is going to put a massive spanner in that works but um, you know I've uh, I'm extremely fortunate to have travelled you know to crazy places in my life due to football so I've, I've ticked off more than a few things in uh, a lot of people's wish list. Nikolai, before I let you go, Instagram, I found you at Topple Stanley, but you don't, you're not very active on anything else, are you? Not really. I'm not a huge social media follower. Um, or, well, I'm not a massive poster or, or user. I, uh, I'm still on Instagram due to fishing photos. <laughs> I love fishing, so... I'm following a lot of uh, fishing personalities just to see what they catch, really. Yeah, nice one. I had Andrew Weddinghausen on the other day. His show's amazing. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. Oh, mate. I know fishing with ET, mate. I, I know all about it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Merv Hughes has got a good one, too. I'm not sure if you've seen that one. I've seen an episode on iFish with Merv Hughes down in South Australia. So I know my fishing shows. Oh, you love it, mate. Well, Nikolai, thanks for stopping by today. All the best with the baby. And all the best with Newcastle. I hope it's a it's a great season ahead, bud. All right, thank you very much. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I really hope that you enjoyed the show with Nikolai. Next up, we've got Anthony Kudafides and also V8 supercar driver David Reynolds. So be sure to, if you enjoyed it, share it with your family and friends on social media. Please tag me in any posts that you've got. But, and if you've got any feedback at all on the show, please send through anything at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. But, until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.